Thanks and welcome to this Buckhalter Trade Secrets and Employee Mobility Podcast. My name is Dylan Wiseman. I'm the co-chair of the firm's Trade Secrets and Employee Mobility Practice Group. I've been practicing in this area for 24 years. Hello, my name is Peter Bales. I am a senior counsel at Buckhalter's San Francisco office in the Trade Secret and Litigation Group. Hello, my name is Brandon Carr, and I'm an attorney in the litigation group as well as the trade secret and employee mobility group. Thanks and welcome for joining us. We're here today with Julie Lewis, who joins us from our company that she founded, Digital Mountain. She's our first guest on the podcast. And I'm here with in our San Francisco office with Peter Bales and uh, Brandon Carr. And I really want to uh, focus in this particular part of our podcast around forensics on mobile devices. So we're talking tablets and mobile phones. And so uh, with that, I know, Peter, you've got a great introductory question here, so I'm going to pass this on to you. Julie, uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the continuation of this uh, two-part podcast. In the last podcast, we talked about what steps an employer or company can take after those red flags come up, specifically to computers, laptops, desktops. I have the same question in regards to mobile devices. Assuming that the red flag pops up, assuming that this employer can get a hold of that mobile device, what do you recommend that employers or companies do with that mobile device even before reaching out to Digital Mountain? Yeah, so so first thing that comes up always is who owns the device. So if it's the employee that owns the device, then there's having proper author- authorization. So having clauses in, in your employee handbook and going to really great law firms like yourself to put that in place so that if employees are using their personal device for business use that companies like ours can and and do our work and get the phone's image uh, is really important. The second thing is when the having mobile device management if the company is 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 large enough uh, software implemented uh, might be critical and so the ability to basically get your data back uh, and get the employee still functional on their device. Um, and that's a whole nother topic on different mobile device management software and what it what it does. Um, uh, so having proper ownership of your your data as a, as a corporation is something that you really need to focus on up front. What about the don'ts? What about that when that red flag pops up, they have the phone of this departed employee that they think something went wrong, that some data was stolen. What are the don'ts? What should the company not do before contacting an expert? Um, so, so again, if, assuming that the employer owns the phone, you, you don't want to put it in factory reset mode because <laughs> we won't be able to get any data off of it. Um, the second thing is having the uh, the pin code, or if there's iTunes backup, if it is if it is iPhone, having that ready to go, because otherwise we get out and we try to do our job and we don't have the proper credentials to get in to image the device. The third thing is to put it into airplane mode, um, and if you're not in uh, if if it's a phone that doesn't have airplane mode, which 
assuming they all do, is, is put it in a Faraday bag so that the signal, uh, no one can access the device remotely and then it's not continuing to transmit. What about chain of custody as far as documenting who has that phone and who had it last? Is that something you would recommend a company do in that situation? Yeah, so we always do chain of custody and processing worksheets as part of every phone uh, imaging and, and you know, knowing that um, where the device landed after the custodian turned it over is really critical so that it hasn't been tampered with. And Julie, what type of information generally can be recovered um, from a cell phone or a tablet? Yeah, so when you're dealing with uh, smartphones, generally we can get um, logs of activity. So internet history, for example, on the phone, uh, keywords searched, uh, text messages, if the data is stored, if the, if the cloud social media app was developed to store data locally on the phone, we'll get that, such as uh, WeChat or WhatsApp, uh, though there, there is some idiosyncrasies when it comes to Android and WhatsApp um, and how that is preserved. Um, and there's lots of other data, um, geolocation information, um, and the list goes on and on. In 95% of our cases, the case teams are interested in text messages. Um, most case teams think that they can get email from the phone and you really get very limited information. The place to go for email, uh, because it's encrypted, um, is out to the cloud. Um, so if it's Office 365, we're grabbing it from there, Gmail or you know Hotmail or Yahoo or you know that it's it, it we don't we don't grab that from the phone. Julie, I have a question on social media. Obviously, these days, both employees and the regular consumer are using their mobile phones for social media applications. Other than going directly to the social media provider for the information, is there a footprint, so to speak, on the phone for certain social media that you can uh, try to collect and analyze? Yeah, so there, there's a couple things. You know, if the user downloaded the app to the phone, then that's a clue what social media accounts they had. You might also look for internet history on the phone. Um, you know, there's always a question uh, of if the user didn't log out of a social media account. You know, we, we had talked in the last session about laptops and desktops. Is that fair game? And generally it's not um, because you're, the social media accounts accessing the cloud. Uh, but if remnants are stored on the device, then that's fair game legally. Um, most social media applications are configured to point to the cloud. And so they're just portals to the cloud. Uh, as I mentioned, WhatsApp and WeChat are, are different. Um, Facebook used to store, I, I don't know if you all remember when Facebook split up its Facebook Messenger app. I think that was May, 2015. Um, for a while, the social media or the messages were all stored on the phone and they changed that. So, you know, you imaged a phone right when that ha happened and probably for a good six months after you were, we were able to get uh, messages when we did celebrate images and parse those out. Um, and then they changed it where it was just pointing to the cloud and they weren't residing locally on the, the storage. 
So it depends on um, next door and in, in, in social media apps like that point to the cloud. And on cell phones, um, oftentimes a person will try to delete um, some information or text from the phone. Uh, if information is deleted, are you able to recover any of it? So I think it depends on how actively the phone has been used. It depends on the operating system and how efficient it is. We used to get, uh, yes, we, we, we do get a lot in many times deleted messages. There, there, there's no guarantee. Um, Apple's become a lot more efficient in how they're um, optimizing the iPhone, for example. Um, if you go back in time, we were able to get a lot more deleted text messages than exist today, but we still get, get them. Uh, so if they're not on the phone, there's always the backups. So for example, iCloud backup is a good place to go if, if you're looking for messages that are, are no longer resident on the phone, active phone, um, you know, and then Android as well, you can get deleted messages. Uh, it's, it's more, uh, there's less that typically we are recovering in Android than the iPhone. I want to ask a little bit about the cloud-based backups of mobile devices, uh, like iCloud, for example. What type of information can you recover from the iCloud backup? Depends on what um, how it was configured, and so there's no guarantee. Um, but again, in 95% of our cases, uh, the case teams are looking for text messages, SMS, MMS, chat, and that's all there. Um, and we can pull that down. The, the the tough part is that, for example, and and here in the states we spend a lot to Android, but there's much more focus on iPhones uh, just because of market share internationally. That that flips um, in our cases. Um, on so there, there's there's quite a bit that we are are able to get out of those backups. Um, the key is the iOS changes, so Apple doesn't update, and then the tools don't work. And so what, exi- what, we, what we can say that we could do yesterday may change, and there might be two weeks where we're like not functional on the latest version of the iOS because of, of, of tools for parsing the, the data from, from the images. Specifically on mobile devices, if we have an employee that's doing something wrong, can you tell on the original device if all that information was just switched over to another mobile device? Say they went to the Apple store, bought their own personal phone, took their company phone and just put it all on the personal phone? Yeah, so, so typically that record of transfer of data, you have something called an IEMI number and that's custom to each phone and so you can actually have a phone number that's cloned it's called sms cloning or or that where if you for example and this is a a lot going on in the hacking world if you had um, a hacker pretend like they were you and they were able to convince that 15 to 20 dollar an hour employee i don't know what their hourly wage but um to that to shift your data and that you had lost your phone that your data can get transferred to a hacker and a lot of cryptocurrency traders are are being uh focused on for these data breaches right now um there's a big case with at&t out there um and then there's been a lot of takedowns of these these um networks on the dark web uh of, of these uh, hackers that have focused on hijacking your smartphone. But keep in mind, you can clone it or it could be completely hijacked. 
Um, and, and so with, with the cloning, you know, you wouldn't necessarily know that your phone's been hijacked. They, they're just seeing everything that you're seeing coming in on text messages. Um, and a lot of individuals now use text messages in their two-level authentication or multi-level authentication to prove out that they're them. So then once they have access to your phone, they might be in your Google accounts or banking or, you know, so the world is their oyster at that point. Great. And with that, thank again, Julie Lewis from Digital Mountain for joining us. I'm Dylan Wiseman. I'm here with Peter Bales and Brandon Carr. And on behalf of the Buckhalter Trade Secrets and Employment Mobility Podcast, uh, we look forward to um, any further questions which you may have. And please follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.